Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 31 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, who, who is here to tell you, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who is here to tell you if Bismack Biombo can make a difference in a playoff series, then yo, word to KG. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. And I got my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Your co-host, Andy Flint, who is also was sitting here ready to shout out Bismack Biombo. Who would have known that all it took for this guy to be legit was for a small forward to cover him? I mean, come on. <laughs> you mean Justice Winslow is not a center? I mean, this is the 2016 NBA. If Draymond Green's a center, I don't know. Justice Winslow might be pretty close. All right, so we're going to get into our show. we got conference finals previews, instant reactions to Game 7, and then, as always, we're going to uh, pay tribute to the departed teams from, from the second round. And then we want to get into sort of, as the playoffs are winding down, one thing that we got right and maybe one thing we didn't get so right going into the playoffs. But first, we'll start with the outlet pass. It's the first pass in any fast break, so it's the first pass in our show. And we are going to start with the Raptors for the first time in their team's history. They have, are they're heading to the conference finals. Educate me, Andy. How'd they do it? And without giving away your pick for the series, which we're going to get into later, how do you like their chances against the Cavaliers? I, I mean, how'd they do it? I almost – I think the way they did it was Kyle Lowry finally played like the Kyle Lowry that the, the Raptors fans had grown used to. I mean, DeRozan had a good game too, a good couple of games. But Lowry, you know, it was like 30 – what, he, 38 two games ago and 35 today. I it just – it was too much and they needed it at this, at this point. But I also think another big shout out for Toronto's success uh, was losing the uh, Miami heat, losing white side. I feel like we talked about him or Valanchunas, who was the, the more important piece to their respective team. And I think we, we really saw with justice Winslow trying to play center and, you know, you're, you're essentially they're playing three small forwards. I mean, so it, it's, it was, you know, a tough break to see Miami kind of go out like this because of, you know, not having any big guys. And it's not even to mention them not having Bosch. But I I feel like uh, I I do like their chances better going into the, the next series now than I did a couple games ago. Even if they were to pull it off, if Lowry and DeRozan kept playing kind of slumpy, I, I would have, you know, I would have backed off. Even if they had won, I, I would have said, you know, the Heat are going to kill them. Or, I mean, the, the Cavs are going to kill them. But, you know, I think maybe, they, maybe they're bringing a little life into this series now the way they won. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Lowry going out of his mind for the last two games has to be a great sign for the Raptors heading into the Cavaliers series. You know, the big story is going to be is that the, the Raptors beat the Cavaliers two out of three in the regular season, which you can only put so much stock into that, if if really any, because, I mean, the playoffs are completely, especially the Cavaliers now, they seem like a completely different team than they were in the regular season, especially mid-regular season. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, like you said, we talked about Valanchunas or Whiteside, which was the bigger loss, and I think the emergence of Bismack Biombo, believe it or not, it's like the fifth time we mentioned this guy on the podcast in like the last three minutes, and I think he deserves every single shout out. Uh, you know, the, the emergence of Bismack Biombo to not only give them, you know, defensively the upgrade over Jonas Valanchunas, he's always been a better defender than Jonas Valanchunas. I don't think many people would argue that, but, you know, giving them the points, I mean, I think Biombo scored double digits in the last three or four games in a row, and if you can get double digits out of Bismack Biombo, that's you know, that's just icing on the cake. He's in there for his defense, and if he's going to give you a double-double, then forget about it. But as far as their chances against the Cavaliers, 
to me, the one thing I'll say without giving my pick away, which we'll get to later, is I don't think the Cavaliers watched this series and were scared at all, either of these teams, really. Um, I think they were just sort of sitting comfortably. You know, I don't think LeBron James was at home, like, writing notes, doing homework, you know, about Kyle Lowry's every last move just because I just don't think he was that scared, um, especially the way they're playing. And it seems like the way these two teams were playing, they were kind of playing down to each other in a sense. It wasn't the most – it wasn't the best basketball. It was definitely an entertaining series, but I definitely would not call it a good basketball series as far as the quality of play. Um, I definitely think we saw, you know, especially because a lot of those games were on either in conjunction with San, or San Antonio OKC or, like, the day after. So to to compare those two side by side, it was almost like no comparison. Yeah, and I think, you know, Kevin Love and company were praying that the Heat would pull this off because Kevin Love's always wanted to post up a bunch of small forwards, I'm sure. I think it, it would have been really ugly had the Heat advanced. Uh, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm very glad Toronto did win at this point, but I, I feel like it, it's going to be all in the matchups. And again, without giving away my pick, I, I do feel like what you said is correct. It where the Cavs are, I don't, I, I feel like the Cavs are going to look at every single matchup on the roster, at least when they have the ball and they think they're going to be able to do things. I just, I feel like, you know, maybe the Damari Carroll with LeBron thing is probably their selling point at uh, Toronto's, but everywhere else, I feel like they're, they're just in trouble. Yeah. And I think the real trouble for them is going to be they're They're not going to be able to kill the, the Cavs on the boards the way that they killed, you know, the, the heat on the boards without, obviously without their big guys, Whiteside and Bosch, you know, uh, the Cavs go, Love Tristan Thompson. They got all kinds of guys. Miles Golf. They can even throw in there, pick it, and kill on the board. Those kind of things. So I think I think it'll be an interesting series. Um, I, I do think it would be funny to watch Kevin Love demand the ball in the post against Justice Winslow, only to be denied because they they wanted to get back to the three point line where he belongs. So I think that would that would have been an intriguing storyline, maybe better than the Wade Lebron kind of showdown. But uh, let's let's move on because we are going to talk about the Miami Heat, one of our departed teams. Uh, we want to sort of get into what's next for the teams that, that have lost so far in the second round. We have the Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Portland Trailblazers. Willie Wonka would like a word it's with you. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So let's start a little optimistically. We're going to start with the Portland Trailblazers, an overachieving team, I think everybody agrees, who really gave you know, the Warriors some moments. You know, they won a game, and, the, you know, they really hung with them, you know, through the games even that the Warriors won. So what, what do we think for the Portland Trailblazers? What are they missing? Do they need to add a piece, or is it just a matter of give this team time to develop with their young core? I think the good thing for Portland, if you're a Portland fan, uh, is you're looking at, uh, two things. A, they spent the least money in the league this year uh, on their roster. So that's right, 30th, and they were a playoff team. The other teams down in their company uh, were teams like the Magic, the 76ers, the Jazz, the Suns, uh, teams that didn't make the playoffs. So <clears throat> I think that immediately stands out to me. And the fact that you're locked in. I mean, I do think they have a lot of guys who are coming off the books this year, but you're locked in with your best player who's, I mean, Dame Lillard's kind of been that swing guy and I know we do these point guard drafts every year and we've watched him fluctuate like for a second you're like man he's about to be a top three or top four guy and then you're like oh maybe he's more like eight to twelve I don't know I feel like Portland has kind of Portland let's be honest Portland is trying to copy the Golden State Warriors and why wouldn't they be I mean I I I just think the 
the giving I mean, it's not even just Dame the green light. Dame has all you know more green lights than Steph Curry almost at this point. I feel like he shoots the ball whenever he feels like. But I, I think you know you see it with the other guys too. They're comfortable, and, and that can be a good thing. But uh, Gerald Henderson, Chris Kamen, who doesn't matter anyway, Mo Harkless, uh, Myers Leonard, these are the guys they need to that they have coming off the books. So it's not any uh, anybody really worthwhile. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu's locked up for a few years. You got Lillard's locked up for a few years. Uh, McCollum's got a couple years left on his deal. Plumlee's got a couple years. I mean, they, they have these guys, and it's just going to be about putting pieces in place. And they're probably going to swing for the fences a bit in free agency since they have the money. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I, I have a feeling that Portland's in very, very good shape and probably in better shape than a lot of teams who may have done better than them in the postseason, being that they already kind of have this mold in place where they've just decided to, you know, steal uh, Golden State shine a little bit. They are definitely trying to mold after the Golden State Warriors. It's a great point by you, and I think the one thing that they're missing in that mold is sort of the the stretch four. I mean, I know that, like, Golden State definitely goes small, and I, and I think to duplicate Golden State is almost impossible, but I think what you need for, for Portland is sort of that more reliable stretch four. I mean, Amino is a good player. He's played well this year. Um, but, you know, this they would be a great destination for, say, a Kevin Love. You know, that, that was one of the things that I was looking for at the trade deadline when the Cavaliers were sort of in a little bit of a, you know, a fraction there in, in their team. You know, I think Kevin Love, like a Chris Bosh, like those kind of guys I think would be a great destination. I think that's what Portland's missing on their team. If they're going to go for it, that's one thing. I mean, I think they're going to be good either way, you know, if they decide to get a get a big guy like that or if they decide to build with their young core. I definitely think they've overachieved. I think Dame Lillard still has a next step that he can take in his game, and I, I think it's interesting that you were talking about the point guard draft because when we did that, I had Dame pretty low. I think I had him at like 12, 11, or 12, and you had him more in the in the 6 to 8 range, and I remember us having a little argument about that. I think I'm going to have to concede that, you know, with, with Dame's performance this year. But I'm very intrigued by this team. I'm curious what direction they're going to go going forward because I think this is like a very – it's a very happy time, but it's also a very fragile time for your team because it's sort of like you have to decide whether you're going one direction or the other, and that's sort of going to decide your future. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go from here as far in a personnel standpoint. Like you said, they got some, some guys that are getting off the books that maybe aren't going to be a complete difference maker, but it's how you replace those guys. Do you replace those guys with equivalents of them? Like do you replace Mo Harkless with a guy that does what Mo Harkless does? Or do you replace his minutes with somebody that's going to be way way better than him? So that, that's, that's what I'm looking for from this team going forward. Let's move on. San Antonio Spurs, definitely a disappointing, you know, ultimately losing to the OKC Thunder in their best their franchise record for wins in the regular season. I think a lot of people like myself sort of assumed that it was going to be a San Antonio-Golden State showdown in the Western Conference Finals, just a knockout drag out. But OKC has something to say about that, obviously. So what, what are we looking for for the Spurs? I mean, we talked about this last week. You know, their, their core of LaMarcus and Kawhi is great. Don't get me wrong, those guys are both great players, but – do we, they're, they're both kind of passive players, so do they need another guy? You know, is, is Timmy going to retire? Talk to, me, talk to me about the Spurs here. I mean, I think the best thing the Spurs could get would be for Timmy to retire, and Manu, too. They both have player options. Um, I, I just David West is another one with a player option. I, who knows what he does? I, I almost forgot he was on that team at some points this season. Um, oh, he didn't. Tony Parker's there for a couple more years. You didn't forget. 
to be yeah to be there and and then yeah you blew it up uh shout out to Devin McMillan on that one I remember he had a big problem with that I I feel like the Spurs will probably just soldier forward and do what the Spurs do I mean you know we did have a little bit of a problem with the LaMarcus Aldridge Kawhi Leonard thing last week we talked about you know do they have a Draymond Green a guy to to just you know get you motivated and go you know the Chris Paul types or the Kobe types and, you know, maybe they don't. And, and Kawhi is young enough that maybe he could probably turn into that one day. I don't know. He's he's very mild-mannered. But they're just going to keep doing what they do. I mean, I, I expect this team to be right in the thick of it next year. Um, but, yeah, they they might need a third piece who can be, you know, their mouthpiece, their vocal guy. And they don't have a ton of room to do it. They do. I mean, they're top-heavy. LaMarcus Aldridge makes, you know, over $20 million. Kawhi's going to be making 17 and a half. Parker's still making about 15. Danny Green gets 10 million. Danny Green gets 10 million a year. Why? Yeah. I I feel like the Spurs love Danny Green more than really anybody else in the league loves Danny Green. I feel like more they than see his something mom. in him. Yeah, they they just like, see that potential in him that I don't even see myself. I mean, he's a good defender. He's definitely a 3 and D guy. I don't Maybe a three and D guy is worth ten million in, in the NBA these days. I mean, that's perfectly possible. I mean, I don't think so, but uh, it, it's an interesting discussion. But as far as I think you bring up a good point about Kawhi, because I think a good example for him would be Kevin Durant. If you remember when Kevin Durant came into the league, his first two three years, he was a very mild mannered. That was the big thing about KD. Oh, he doesn't demand the ball. Russell Westbrook's taking over the team. And what is he going to do? And then, I mean, the last couple, two, I would, I would say the last two, maybe even three years, you know, KD is a lot more aggressive. He gets a little, he gets some technicals. He's, he's always talking to the officials. And he's definitely got that sort of edge to his game. And I think that sort of comes with failure. You know, as, as you sort of lose and you get frustrated and you want to win more and more and more, I think you'll sort of, you see that chip on the shoulder kind of developing guys. And I think KD's a good example of that. And I think that could happen to Kawhi. But, you know, it, it really is, it is sort of a chemistry thing that I'm looking for going forward. The other thing I'm looking for with this team going forward, um, as far as Tim Duncan and Manu, obviously, you know, we're, we're seeing those, them in their last days, but I'm wondering how old Tony Parker is. You know, not in age, but in just sort of like his performance. Are we past the prime of Tony Parker? Because he's had flashes, especially in the playoffs, but are we gonna, is, is he going to drop off a cliff next year? Because that's going to be a big problem for the Spurs. So those are kind of the things I'm going for, looking forward for. But, you know, like you said, they're the Spurs. They're going to be in, in contention, top three seed next year. I don't have any really doubt about it. Let's not overreact to the fact that, you know, they really lost to a very hungry OKC Thunder team who, who really has two of the top five players in the league that are frustrated with, with their performance thus far in, in their career. So they were really looking for it. And I just think they, they had an extra level that the Spurs didn't quite have. So, um, before we move on, let's just quickly go into the Miami Heat. You know, just got eliminated. Dwayne Wade, um, they have a lot of free agents. Dwayne Wade, Joe Johnson, Hassan Whiteside. So you could see a, a big change. Do you think you're going to see a big change with this team, or do you think they're kind of going to re-sign everybody and give it one more go with, with what they had just this tonight? Yeah, this is my platform, and I know I, I'm, like, more convinced of this than anything in the world that this won't happen, but Dwayne Wade, please go play somewhere else. Like, and, and it's nothing against yeah. the Miami Heat. I just don't think that they can – I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. I mean, he, your highest – Chris Bosh makes over $20 million. He can't even – he just – he got that big deal. He, he's not even playing. We don't know what his future is going to look like. I mean, he, the things that have happened this postseason alone, I just – I don't know if Bosh is ever going to be – 
correct again. I, it's a big issue, the the blood clots thing. I mean, he's got a commercial gig because of it now at least. But, um, you know, Hatchett was good this, this series. I, I really thought that I had kind of lost faith in him and he's come back around. But, I mean, I, I just don't know. I'm looking at the money here and, you know, they do have some younger pieces. I just I feel like if Dwayne Wade – re-signs, it's going to be a big enough deal that it's going to blow out any potential possibility for them to really make themselves into a contender. Because even with Whiteside, I think the way we saw the, I think you and I were high on Miami, you know, a couple weeks ago, but after seeing the Cavs, you know, the way they've played, I think even with Whiteside, probably even with Bosch, I don't think they would have been able to beat them. So I know it's, it's kind of a, like, where do you go from here? You know, we lost to the second best team in the East the Cavs are the Cavs. I just, I feel like it's time for Wade to, to just find a spot. Nobody's going to be mad at you. you you've, you've been the good soldier. You've stayed here. I, I mean, you brought three championships to the city. I, I want to see Wade in a situation where he can really compete and, and be in the you know Eastern Conference or the Western Conference Finals somewhere next year. I don't think anybody would argue what you're saying as far as – I think it's perfectly – uh, fine to say that Dwayne Wade has given everything he can to the Miami Heat and, and sort of vice versa. I mean, they really have a relationship and I don't think anybody would be mad at him if he left. I think it'd be really cool if he went back to Chicago, like he was uh, sort of planning on doing when, when LeBron came to Miami, there was a lot of rumors that Dwayne Wade was going to go to the Bulls. I think he even said in an interview that he really had like a deal in place and he was, you know, 90% there. And then LeBron sort of said, I'm coming to Miami and they all kind of came together. But, I mean, I think that would be a cool place for him, and I agree. I think he should go somewhere and win. But, and I think it would be mutually beneficial because once Dwayne Wade leaves, I think this team can sort of move on. It, I, it seems like the Heat are always going to be like, oh, if they're, if, they're the, if they're healthy, they're a threat team. You know, whether it's Wade's health, whether it's Bosch's health, Dragic is sort of, you know, he gets nicked up every once in a while, and now we got Whiteside nicked up. It, I, think, I really think that they need more of a general direction, and I think – to do that, they have to sort of move on from, from this core that they've built. And I know that it will be hard, and maybe they won't be as good as they were this year, next year, if they do that. But, I mean, I think they have a lot of good pieces if you re-sign Whiteside. And I know that's that's always sort of a questionable decision, what happens with White, a guy like Whiteside when you give him money. So I don't know how Hassan Whiteside on a max contract will compare to Hassan Whiteside not on a max contract. So that's definitely a, a risk risk-reward factor. But... I, I agree with you. I really think that it might be time for this team to sort of pack it up. You know, I don't know what's going on with Bosch. I mean, I think that's a big question. If Bosch can come back completely healthy and perform at a Chris Bosch level, then this is a whole different team. I mean, I think that team wins the series, to be honest. I mean, they went seven without him, and you had a Chris Bosch. I don't think you can minimize what that is. So, but I agree. I, I really think it's, it's sort of going to be tricky waters for, for Miami this postseason or this offseason, especially with all their free agents. So let's move on. We want to sort of just really quickly, we want to go into maybe as the conference finals are upon us, you know, we had some predictions going into the playoffs. Some of them we got right. Other ones we got wrong. So Andy Flint, what is one thing you nailed this off season or this postseason? I think the one thing I, I nailed, and it might only be one thing because it's been a little weird. I mean, besides the very obvious things, is I, I think, you know, early on I was quite confident and I'm still very confident and we all got to see a little bit of it uh, and just how good the Warriors are even without Steph Curry. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I was quite confident that they were still like the third, maybe the fourth. I was talking, you know, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and maybe the Clippers better than them with what, C.J. Watson. So, 
you know, I, I think I, I think I nailed that one. I think you could take Steph Curry off that team and you know, that team is still, still a team that is probably going to give the thunder and the Spurs problems. So I, I think, you know, you can't say a much, uh, or you can't say enough about just how deep that team is and how, you know, how willing they are to play team basketball to achieve their goals. It's, it's beautiful to watch. I think it's really cool that you're giving the Golden State Warriors props, even though Andrew Bogut has you blocked on Twitter. I just really want to say that you're really the bigger person <laughs> for this. Uh, one thing that I nailed was the Detroit Pistons. I was on the bandwagon all season from the preseason. I picked them as an eight seed, and that is exactly what came to fruition come playoff time. I thought they were going to play a, a pretty competitive series, and I would argue even though they, they got swept that they did you know, sort of have spurts where you saw a future for this team. And I think once Stan Van Gundy sort of gets more of a personnel that matches his style of basketball, we're really going to see the Detroit Pistons as one of the better up-and-coming younger teams, you know, with with Drummond sort of emerging as a, a potential star. So that's one thing that I thought I nailed all season was the Detroit Pistons. And I kind of picked that because, like you, I really didn't have many things that, that I really nailed too, too well. So we're going to move on to – probably what we have more of an option for we got one thing we nailed and now what's one thing we failed what's one thing you failed at this postseason I mean I've got a stack of papers here of things I failed I think the one thing probably because it's the thing I criticized the most was uh Billy Donovan and I don't know if he woke up too abruptly one morning and fell out of bed and hit his head and like became this new person and this new coach but I mean I, the last couple games in particular, and particularly that last game, I mean, I just saw a completely different set of coaching skills on the court. And maybe he was hiding this. Maybe Billy was like, man, we're going to play coy. I got this. I'm just going to throw something different at him when they least expect it. And it was kind of like the haymaker you're not expecting. All of a sudden, OKC was a really good defensive basketball team, and the ball moved a little bit. I mean, you're still going to see minutes of ISO, and that's going to, you know, hog the highlight reel because they do have Westbrook and Durant, but that team was moving the ball and they were letting Canner get touches or letting Ibaka get touches. Steven Adams gets touches. Steven Adams catches the ball on the block sometimes from like a high uh, KD lob and he'll get it. And he's like surprised to have it. And then he usually misses a lap, but that, that's the thing is I, I just feel like uh, I, I need to apologize to, to Billy Donovan because he really does know how to coach. I think. My man Steven Adams looks like an extra from Game of Thrones, like somebody that didn't quite make the cast and he's just over in the back having a conversation. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I agree, Billy Donovan, uh, the aftertime outplays I think is another thing that has vastly improved with Billy Donovan as, as opposed to Scotty Brooks, and I, I definitely did not expect it. They were definitely on my list of things that I could have went with, but I'm actually going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers um, sweeping the, the, the postseason so far. I've been on record since about midway through the regular season and I felt good about it going into the playoffs that uh, they were going to be down at some point in an elimination scenario. So down 3-2 going into a game six or, you know, down 3-1 even going into a game five. And it certainly has not happened. They swept their way through the playoffs so far and I was completely wrong. The city of Cleveland, LeBron James, I owe you an apology even though Steph Curry is still better than you. But I just had to throw that, that little shade there because I don't want to completely – I'm not, I'm not just going to say I'm completely wrong, even though I am indeed completely wrong. So, Cleveland Cavaliers, I was definitely wrong about you going into the postseason, and we are going to get into our conference finals predictions because I'm, I'm not going to double down. I'm not doubling down. Cleveland, Toronto, I got Cleveland in five. I still don't think you're going to be down in an elimination game. 
like I said earlier in, in the podcast, I didn't I didn't really see anything from Toronto. I mean, Lowry's playing at a at a great level. I'm intrigued by the Damari Carroll LeBron James matchup, but ultimately, I just think that the the Cavs have too many weapons, and the things that the Raptors benefited from against the Heat, they're not going to be able to benefit from against the the Cavs, most notably on the boards. So I think that's going to be a big difference in this series as opposed to their series against the Heat. So I have the Cavs in five for those reasons. Andy, who do you have in the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers as well, and I'm going with five as well. Um, I, I think that I think the Cavs are actually going to win the first three games, and I think just about when we're getting the brooms out that game four, I, I feel like Toronto's going to make us have to, to play another game and be like, come on, can't we just, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the Cavs, everything you said, there's there's too much. I hate the matchups for Toronto pretty much across the board. They still, I mean, Kyle Lowry, respect I, I was a little hard on you and, and DeRozan too but I, I think they've you know they've stepped up and they did what they needed to do as stars of a team especially the two seed they closed out the heat also shout out to Dwayne Wade for his father prime hat he's wearing at the the press conference here the post game um but yeah I think Cleveland's just just too much yeah I, I agree one thing that really troubled me about Toronto's performance even in a win it has been DeMar DeRozan I mean he, he's putting up good stats but unlike his his normal, I mean, in the regular season, usually DeMar DeRozan's a guy that gets to the line a lot, and he certainly has gotten to the line, but he's been very inefficient. You know, we're talking like 29 points on 25 shots, those kind of things, and that's not going to cut it against the Cavs, um, especially because the Cavs have a very good team defensive scheme, and you're, you're really, I don't think DeMar DeRozan's going to be able to get to the line as much. I don't agree with you. I think they'll win game three. That's the game. And I think one cool storyline is going to be the Toronto crowd for the first time in the conference finals. I think that's going to be an awesome storyline. Two of the best crowds, really, in the league is Cleveland and Toronto. So I think that'll be a pretty cool thing to watch. Also, two of the other best crowds in the league are the Western Conference Finals. Um, OKC, Golden State, who do you got? Do you got the champs? The champs are going to champ, or do you really see Westbrook and and Durant pulling it through? Um. I, I'm going Golden State. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm going seven games, and part of it is because I feel bad how bad I trashed the Thunder uh, after that game one loss to the Spurs. But you know, I it's we've seen something different. It's and it's not necessarily different from the players. I really I'm gonna just pound away at the coaching of Billy Donovan. But I feel like something has changed. Does he have like a twin brother we don't know about? And he was just like enough of this knocked out Billy Bobby Donovan takes the four and he's just out there, you know, commanding the the court differently. I just, I don't know. I I feel like this is the OKC team that every, we all knew they could be. I've, I've been on record all season saying, I feel like this is their best complete roster they've ever had. Um, I I think they have three very good bigs who play differently. And I think they're going to challenge the warriors, but I I feel like it's, it's ultimately going to come down to discipline. I believe. I think the Warriors are just they, – they want to pass the ball. They want the ball to move. They want you to be frustrated. They want to hit you with screens. You know, and, and that's the other thing is people complain about the Warriors in illegal screens. I've heard it all season. And, sure, they, they do it. I mean, you see it every game. But that's, that's part of the game. When you set 50 screens a game, the, the refs aren't going right. to blow the whistle, you know, a, a, a million times. So I feel like it's, it's just going to be too much – of that want to, to spread the floor or spread the ball around hit shots and OKC is ultimately going to fall into some of that hero ball. And I think that's exactly what golden state's going to want them to do. 
I think you bring up a good point about the screens because it's sort of like uh, if you remember the Seahawks in, in the football, you can't call holding on every play, and they've, they've sort of built that relationship with the referees that we're going to play aggressive every single defensive play, and you're not going to be able to call defensive holding every single play in the same way you're not going to be able to call an illegal screen every single possession against the Warriors. So I, I think that's a very good point. Uh, I have Golden State. I'm going to go in six. I thought about going in seven, but the big question for me about this series is, I think OKC's best lineup, and I think you, you brought up a good point in really congratulating the, the supporting the supporting cast of the Thunder because I think everybody sort of brings up Durant and Westbrook, but I think the story of this postseason has been sort of Waiters, Adams, Cantor. And speaking of which, I think Cantor and Adams are really the best lineup with them, with those guys in, and I don't think you can play that lineup against the Warriors, and that's why I really have the Warriors winning this series, and I think they do take it in six. So let's move on. Every week, like Daisy once said, we don't believe you. You need more people. Andy Flynn, who needed more people this week in the NBA? Uh, Tracy McGrady. He needs a bus full of more people. Um, that's my guy. I don't want to say anything too hurtful. My favorite player of all time. But the the Steph Curry thing, the, the comments of the league being watered down, I, I don't necessarily agree with Curry being like, you know, the first unanimous. Uh, and it's not anything against Curry. It's just that I think other guys have been shafted in the past. But we got to let go of these legends trying to say that, like, oh, the league was much better when I played. Cut it out. Cut it out. Just stop. I remember the Magic teams McGrady were on. McGrady was on. Most of those guys couldn't even play in the league today. Truth. Um, speaking of legends, I'm going with a legend. I'm going with Timmy. Timmy Duncan, uh, you, we take no prisoners. You're a Hall of Famer, but you should have went to Kobe Root and had the farewell, to- farewell tour. Truth to truth, man. Sorry, Timmy. Yo, Timmy, Tracy McGrady, well, JD, with the word. And with that, that is the end of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast. Watch us live tweet meaningless summer league games. We will close, as we always do, with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot, a lot like last call to bar, sometimes better than pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>